Welcome to Always Listening. We're your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Jay, and I survived the Battle of Winterfell. <laughs> and we are always listening. Uh, Jay, I want to give a personal update, first of all, and a, and a little nod to my community here at the top of the show. Uh, I live in Ruston, Louisiana. It's in the north center part of the state. Uh, we're about four and a half or five hours away from New Orleans to give you a frame of reference for the rest of you around the world and, and the country. And uh, we're on a hill. We're the This area of the state is literally known as the Piney Hills of North Louisiana. But Ruston in particular is up on a hill. And because of that, I've been told by meteorologists in the past, severe storms tend to break around us and we just don't have that much bad weather in town we have heavy rainfall sometimes but that's about it well on thursday morning early hours thursday morning was like 2 a.m or so uh local time we had a tornado come right through the center of town Mm. and it was uh, again the weather reports tell me that it only was in the city limits only in the parish i think which is our version of a county uh it was only here about eight minutes but it did millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of damage. Um, all you, If you haven't seen any of the news before, if you literally Google Ruston, Louisiana tornado, R-U-S-T-O-N tornado, uh, you can find a bunch of stories about it, I'm sure. There were very unfortunately two deaths. However, with the amount of damage that there was in town, I have to say we were incredibly fortunate for only two deaths. Uh, a young man and his mother uh, passed away in their home. Their home was hit directly. Um, and other than that, we really came out very, very fortunate. Uh, what that has done, though, is, uh, among other things, it's put basically the whole town out of power. I heard our mayor saying the other day was something like 60% of the power grid for the city was a complete rebuild, mm. not like, hey, let's put the lines back up or reconnect a few things, but we have to put whole new poles in because they had been snapped and torn apart or whatever. So the the complete grid had to be rebuilt at least in 60 per, 60% of the city. Uh, they've done a fantastic job. The vast majority of the city is back with power now. But even here, it's Tuesday now, so we're close to a week out. It's like five days later, and still there are parts of town that don't have power. A lot of businesses are on reduced hours or still closed and things like that. A lot of businesses completely damaged. Or they'll have to, to rebuild or they've been relocated. So um, one of the things that it did to me personally is it slowed down my business over the weekend, right? Like I have mm. a totally internet-based <laughs> business uh, and a devices-based business. So when none of my devices had power and uh, none of them had internet, I had to relocate for a little while. I had to go to my mom and dad's house. But um, first and foremost, I want to say how thankful I am that my family and our home was fine. We didn't have any damage on our home directly. Uh, we There's a, uh, a fence that's still down on our property. We got to get put back up. But other than that, we're all good. And... Uh, uh, yeah, thankful in general for our community. It's also been one of those moments when it is awesome to see how many people are willing to help out others. Like, we, I think we feel like we're a very disconnected and selfish time now, and everybody mm. just worries about themselves. This is a moment where I see very clearly, at least where I live, that's not really the case. It feels that way sometimes, but it's not. People are very much uh, giving of whatever they have. People, you know, sharing, doing common meals and stuff. Uh, and, uh, yeah, anyway, it, it's it's amazing. So um, thank you to everybody who's reached out to help to make sure that we were okay and things like that. And uh, if you are interested, 
Google that, look up some opportunities, uh, maybe send a few bucks our way. I think there's some different fundraisers. I know my church in particular is collecting funds. I feel weird about sharing that link, and I didn't have a generic link that I've seen yet, like a Red Cross link or something. But um, look for a way that you might can help out if uh, you've, especially if you if your area has been hit by a uh, you know a big weather storm like this in the past. It was something that we were unaccustomed to. I've been here for like. 20 years now. Well, I moved here for college in 99 and, uh, I've never seen a storm like this in Ruston. Anyway, the surrounding areas have been hit, you know, many times by tornadoes and the like, but yeah, it was, it was, it was unbelievable. And the craziest thing is my wife and I slept through it, Jay. Like we literally slept through the mm. whole thing. I woke up at like 6am and I'm, I've missed five phone calls and 15 text messages and everybody's going, are you alive? You know, whatever. It was, it was unbelievable. Well, weird. Joel, I'm I'm very glad to hear that you've survived real life, unlike me surviving a a fake television program. But well, quickly off the top, I'll tell you this before we because we I I asked you before we started if you'd seen Endgame because I I wanted to maybe talk about it after you haven't yet, so we're gonna put that off for a couple of weeks. When you see it, we will do like an after the show discussion, a short uh, discussion of that because we're both kind of Marvel geeks. Um, I'll, I'll just ask you, no spoilers, but what were your opinions of the episode? I've seen a lot of a variety of reaction online. You know, I really want to watch it again to get a better idea. My initial reaction was that, because I went into it going, this is going to be, and this isn't a real spoiler, from beginning to end, the most epic battle ever filmed. And so I went into it knowing that that was going to be the case, and it delivered on that. However... After I listened to a podcast and then sort of started really thinking about what I had just watched, I came away going, you know what? I do feel a little robbed of how it all came to an end. And I um, I need to rewatch it and see if I really feel that way or if I was influenced by the podcast that I was listening to that I feel that way. Um. But yeah, I, I sort of gave it some second thought and went, hmm, you know what? That's a very good point. Like I've, I invested a lot of time in this and, and, and it just all came to an end like that. I, yeah, I, so the, the big thing that I will say, and again, this isn't a spoiler either, the choice to frame this battle at night, while it makes sense in the mm. context of where the story was and like what all was happening. And it even makes sense, I think, probably from a production level. It's, it was probably a little cheaper. They could probably fudge a few things with CGI and whatnot because it was dark. Having said all of that, it meant none of us could see a darn thing. <laughs> I've got a nice television, Jay. Right. I was watching it in 1080p. I wasn't watching it in 4K or HDR. But even my friends who did said, "Yeah, I couldn't see. I couldn't see Bupkis. You know, like <laughs> I don't." Uh, there were so many scenes in the middle of it where I'm just like, well, I have a general sense of what's happening. And every now and again, you'd see like a face. You're like, oh, oh, that's so-and-so. Looks bad for them, doesn't it? <laughs> but like, uh, yeah, anyway, it was a little underwhelming. And alternatively, I will say, that was the very opposite for Endgame. It was it was not underwhelming in any aspect. I'll just say that. Mm. And then hopefully you guys will all enjoy those pop culture things and uh, listen to them discussed in full on a great podcast. Now, Jay, why don't we get to some of the business of podcasting this week? Uh, because there is actually a lot surviving. of stuff to talk about. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we're going to start with Luminary. How about let's do that? And um, Jay, I'm, I'm going to give... 
like a little overview of what Luminary is for people that are maybe listening to this and haven't followed the story very closely. I think you and I have been keeping up with them for a while. We've mentioned them some before, but it hasn't been a if you haven't heard of, of Luminary player over this last yeah, week. It, well, it hasn't, point. but it hasn't been a it hasn't been a main player in podcasting. I think if you're not very into the watching the ecosphere, you and I have been following them, but I think maybe the average podcaster hasn't. So here's what they are: they are a new podcast app uh, that theoretically would allow you to subscribe to any podcast. They have a directory just like iTunes or Stitcher or anybody, right? And you can search for a show and subscribe to your favorite podcasts in it. But the other thing, the primary driver for them is that they have premium content that you can only get exclusive original shows that you can only get with an $8 a month subscription. So they're, they are, and they very specifically call themselves this, the Netflix of audio. They're the Netflix of podcasting. That's their model. Um, the reason why anybody really heard about them and they began to make waves is they were advertising heavily promoting their launch before it was here saying podcasts don't have to have ads. Podcasts shouldn't have ads. There's another way. It's coming luminary. And it made a big stink for a lot of podcasters who make a lot of money and support themselves and their shows and their networks using advertising. A lot of people were very angry about the way that Luminary had positioned themselves in that first well, outlay. Not to be too heavily biased on this, the tone that you just set forth is not the tone of voice that luminary was using specifically when it came oh, to yeah. advertising they were very very anti-ads to the point where it wasn't podcasts don't need to have ads it was podcasts shouldn't have ads period um that was sort of their thing and and even to this day in response to a lot of the things that have happened since they launched they continue to have a very snarky very we know more than you sort of tone. And I think that's what's setting a lot of podcasters off over this past week. And then the this all came to a head when it became clear just before they actually launched, there were some stories that broke before their actual unveiling as an iOS app and Android app that some big shows, in particular, everything from Gimlet Media... Uh, and everything from Anchor's network, anybody who was on the Anchor you know, creation app and was hosting with Anchor, uh, those shows would not be appearing in the Luminary app, uh, their directory, but also uh, The Daily, which you've mentioned several times. It's not a show, actually, that I listen to, but that is on your list of regular listens, isn't it, Jay? No, I, not really. I've, I've listened to it. You dip in and out it. sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's, it's one of the most widely listened to pod. I mean, it's on the level of This American Life right. and probably on a regular basis above it, I would say now it's become that. It is, it, there is no podcast which is like old network television and like, you know, 400 million people listen to or anything. There's nothing that everybody watches like the MASH finale. However, as big as you can get in podcasting, the daily is that. Correct. And it's not going to be in this Luminary app. Why? Why aren't these shows going to be in there? What is their beef, theoretically, with Luminary, Jay, as, at least as you understand it? Well, from I honestly believe it's a misunderstanding of exactly how Luminary set themselves up before launch. This all goes towards, we've been talking about this, staying in your lane and understanding what your lane is. Well, the Luminary made it very clear before they launched that their lane was going to be a paid app 
with content on it. And they kept trying to say, unfortunately, it went underreported, way underreported, that no, 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 we're going to have free listening on our app as well. But the main thrust and the main reason why this app exists and the reason why we have venture capitalist money to support us is because we're going to be the Netflix of podcasting. We're going to charge people to come listen to ad-free shows that we're going to host exclusively on our app. And because of that misunderstanding, a lot of companies went, well, wait a second, you're charging people to listen to these shows. Well, we, we, we need to have part of that money. We need to have a license that it's mutually beneficial for both of us. Uh, Nick Qua goes into this quite a bit on Hot Pod um, and actually has a great line that I thought sort of sums a lot of this up, saying, in other words, it's the difference between mutualism and parasitism, uh, where Luminary was hoping that they could get a lot of the people that are listening on the free side to become premium subscribers to listen to the content that they're offering. Now, there are other apps that do this, but have done so in a different manner. And perhaps it's because of the way that their timeline moved out. But Stitcher has premium content that only lives on the Stitcher app. But Stitcher is also a free listening app. Uh, a lot of attention has moved away from Stitcher here in recent years. Stitcher used to be the number two to Apple but it was a distant number two. And then Google's shown up and they've gotten a lot of attention and Spotify is now the real number two. And there's a whole bunch of new players on the, on the board stitcher in terms of where they rank in terms of overall ecosystem listening is down in the, what I like to call the one percenters. So stitcher is a perfect analog, I think. And to me, stitcher is a prophetic story for Luminary, if you look at the history of Stitcher. So Stitcher was the number two. And what happened, Jay, to stall that out and kill it? The podcast industry said, Stitcher, we don't want you to uh, repurpose our content. Hmm. You're taking our stuff in, you're holding the file, reserving it directly at a lower bit rate so it sounds worse, and you're serving ads on top of it in between, and we're not seeing anything for that. And many big producers took their stuff off. A lot of smaller producers like me kept their stuff off of Stitcher for a long time because of that. That dwindled down, and again, it was like people... people pushing them, saying to their listeners, don't, hey, go and find this other app, listen to us over here, get us on our website, pushing people away from Stitcher. We weren't promoting the Stitcher brand as much because of those conflicts, because of the things that they were doing that the open podcast industry saw as aggressive and negative. They eventually got down to a place where they needed to be bought. They were bought, tossed around several times, ignored for a couple of years, finally end up as part of mid-roll, where the very first thing Midroll did was publicly say, we're going to stop reserving your content. We're going to share it directly from your RSS feed. We're going to access it. You'll get the stats directly from now on. There's no need for us to do that. We can still stitch in ads in between content as we've been doing without messing with your content. And, and generally, podcasters were like, cool. Awesome. Thanks. I went back in. I know lots of people that are that are back in Stitcher now. We still don't promote the app necessarily, but our content is there if people want to listen to us there. Uh, and so when they began to promote 
premium content on top of that and the idea that they could remove all of the ads from that interstitial stuff. I don't have a problem with them doing that on top. If you want to buy Wolverine and I'm trying to think, oh, uh, finding, uh, finding Richard Simmons, right? That mm -hmm. was a Stitcher premium show. So if you want to go buy Finding Richard Simmons and, oh, wait a minute, they're mid-rolls. So they're also things like, hey, I, I subscribe to them to listen to all of hardcore Game of Thrones, where it's they, they spoof hardcore history but talk about Game of Thrones. Mm. That's an amazing show. The only place you can get it is behind Stitcher Premium's pay, paywall. So like I went and did that for a few months, caught up on that show, listened to a few others. Um, I don't have any problem with that. What Luminary did, and, and I was looking for the exact – Area okay, so we've talked a lot about Marco Armut. Mm. Um, this he was the one, the the creator of Overcast, and he also has discussed in his own podcast, Accidental Tech Podcast, about how this is a fine line for him, ethically speaking, because he has a conflict of interest here. He is a, a podcast app creator, and he understands that. Well, and he there's also, more though, to Marcos that I want to get into too. Sure, he also though is a there's a new feature of that we should talk about actually. Uh, he also though is a out loud public proponent for the open podcast ecosystem like that is the reason he built overcast in the first place is he was concerned about what apple may do and he wanted to duplicate their directory in a way that if they closed it down he could offer an alternative to the to the industry at large um, and that's what he continues to say that he wants to do in the future he says that he tested it a little bit and uh, Luminary says that they were one-to-one -one proxying shows, which they say is not, they're not reserving the content. What they were doing was ensuring a standardized listening experience so that no matter whether you're downloading a show that comes from Libsyn or Spreaker or your WordPress directory or wherever you might be hosting the actual media files, because they were doing proxy servers for everything in their directory, all of the downloads would be the same. Right. Now, I don't know enough, but Marco says that, in fact, that's it's not going to be faster in general and for the vast majority of people because most podcasting is hosted on these uh, big um, uh, media hosts. It shouldn't be a problem. But, okay, fine, take them at their word. He also says that should be an easy fix then. It should be like two lines of code and they could just turn everybody's switches back to where it goes directly back to our own feeds. My big problem with what Luminary has done here, and I'm not sure the technical reason why it's happened. I think I know the business reason why it's happened. But if you look in their app at show notes, mm -hmm. any information about advertisers and links out have all been stripped. It's not like Spotify where the show notes are truncated or not formatted properly or sort of messy looking, but they are literally pulling parts of that information out it and and i'm i don't know whether it's automated in some fashion of like hey let's just dump everything after this or if it's no hyperlinks and so dump that information completely or if it's a matter of like look for words like sponsor etc cetera, etc cetera, and pull those out i don't know how nefarious it is but the end result is that if a end listener finds my show or your show or anyone's show in the Luminary app, 
there is no method for them to take that information out of the Luminary app. There's no link back to my website. There's no link to my Twitter accounts. There's no link to my social accounts, my Facebook group, et cetera, et cetera. So let's say Luminary crashes as a startup and folds in six months or nine months. Any potential listeners you have there don't have a way out to continue listening to your content. If you have something to sell in your show or promote or a newsletter list or whatever, there's no way for them to follow up on that through the Luminary app. This is the big problem for me. as a pro- I haven't taken my shows out yet only because it's hard to do, Jay. It's hard to do. I will do it, though. And and that is the reason, the the linking, the outside linking. I, I will. You have to do now, that or it's is this di- a deal breaker for me. Is this different than what Apple? Because you can't put links on Apple. You can the the wording is there, but it doesn't in, hyperlink. So, so it's different. So when you're talking about the directory, the little short summary, you're right. There's no hyperlinks in the short summary, but the full description that shows up in the app right. does include hyperlinks. The hyperlinks work just fine. And also in the Apple Podcasts app, in your show listing, there is a link that says show website. And it takes you directly to your okay. website. And you can do that even without being subscribed. So like Again, Apple is a directory and they want they expect people to stay in their podcast app and use their podcast app and not go outside of it, sure. But all of those things are available to you there as a listener if you interact with content. And again, since Apple's podcast app is built on the open RSS standard, if their directory goes away, it doesn't matter. Or if I'm booted from their directory, as we talked about with InfoWars, if I'm booted from their directory, that doesn't matter for the people who are subscribed to my show today because they're not subscribed through iTunes or Apple. They're subscribed to my RSS feed and they'll keep getting it as long as my RSS feed is active. That's the strength of the open podcast mm. industry. That's what I see Luminary trying to choke in a way, even Jay, that Spotify's not. Look at what Spotify, we haven't talked about this yet on the show, but Spotify now has a deal to pass through the dynamic advertising from Spreaker, which means that Spreaker shows are not being reserved on Spotify's servers. They're going directly from the RSS feed. That will eventually roll out, you imagine, to all the other media hosts. So there's Spotify leaning in to the open podcast ecosystem, even as they want to be the Netflix or the YouTube of podcasting. They see what the industry is, and they see we can adapt to it as we try to control the biggest portion of it. They want to be the biggest player. They don't want to kill it. Luminary wants to kill us. By the way. They're trying to say it nicely, but they want to kill us as an industry. Well, and the other thing that I thought was interesting about what Luminary was doing that I did not know about until I read Hot Pod today from Nick Qua, and they apparently put promos on Apple for their Luminary-exclusive podcasts. So... Essentially, they were looking for the free advertising that you can get from Apple by creating a podcast feed to a podcast that will never be in Apple for and telling people to go back to the Luminary app. And Apple apparently caught that and, and cut that out. So, you know, I, I heard Todd and Rob talk about this on the new media show. They're essentially dad, right? So they've offered their consulting services to any startup such as Luminary, but they don't want to listen to dad. I would say the same thing. Joel and I are available. We mentioned this last week. We're available for consulting. We're like the older brother, and you're probably still not going to listen to us. But quite honestly, 
I do have just one small bit of advice with all of the apologies that they've issued over the last week is you have to change your tone of voice because the snarky responses are the ones that are getting the press, not the apologies. And so you can be as apologetic as you want, but it's not going to work at this point. You've already lost. And I mentioned I wanted to bring this up with Marco. So the podcast industry pretty much, I mean, from the bubble that I'm in, as I saw, overwhelmingly said, we're done. Luminary, you're dead to us. Why is it? If, if the reasoning for that was because Luminary was taking this content and benefiting from having the free content on their app to promote their paid subscription model, why is it that there isn't the same type of reaction uh, to an app that you have to pay, the listener has to pay to get my free content. They can get my content on any listening app, but there are listening apps out there that take my RSS feed and charge a listener a fee to listen to my particular podcast. I'm not getting any money for that. And I'm speaking specifically of Overcast. So Overcast, you have to pay $2.99 to get that app, but I don't see any part of that money. That, that's that's incorrect. That's incorrect. Overcast is a free app. There is an in-app purchase that you can add, but it's literally a donation. He he has some bonus features that he adds in if you want to make a a donation. Uh, but but it, it's it, Overcast is an absolutely free app. Is that the wrong one? There are apps. Which one? I'm Which trying one to think of one that of? you have to pay for. Castro, you still have to pay for. For instance, Castro is like two ninety nine one time purchase. Uh, but so for those, it's about the software though, Jay. In my opinion, there there's no most of those don't have an ongoing fee. Now Marco does have his is a I I do personally an annual subscription of nine ninety nine to him as an in-app purchase through Apple. And um, there used to be dark mode that was only behind the in-app purchase, but I think that's free for everybody now too. Oh, one of the things that I get with that is I get access to his website to upload files. So if so, um, I'm an audiobook producer. I edit audiobooks for myself and for others a lot of times, and I take those files, upload them to my Overcast account so that I can listen to them with his smart speed and vocal boost features as I'm proofing them to finish them. I can listen through Overcast because it's my favorite listening app. Um, that is a feature that I get access to because I'm a subscriber of the of the thing. But like, now he's talked about in the past, he had a plan originally to do something like, Hey, I have a monthly subscription and I will look at your statistics and divide up the money that you send to me and give it to podcast producers. But the way that he ended up, he talked to podcast producers about that idea even. And he said in the end, they all said, well, I mean, yeah, I'd sign up to take the money, but I'm not going to promote it because if I'm going to promote anything, I'm going to promote my direct connection with my audience. Right. So if I've already got a Patreon that's what I'm going to promote. If I've already got a PayPal, that's what I'm going to promote. Well, but so so no, Overcast here, isn't so, a PayPal. Ultimately, I apologize for using Overcast as as an example, poor example. But my point is, is there are apps out there that take they basically scrape Apple, and then they mm -hmm. charge a listener to pay to listen on their particular listening app. That's taking our free content and charging the listener. They're basically benefiting from using our content without paying us for it. And there's not the same outrage or uproar. They're probably getting just as many listens on that particular listening app as Luminary is getting. So 
but they're just not getting the press that Luminary is getting. So I see a little bit of hypocriticism there. However, I think I think Nick put it best, and it's a difference between mutualism and being a parasite. Whereas while they are charging a listener base to use their particular app to listen to your free content, they're not messing with your content uh, in any sort of way, like Lumen, like you've, like we've already suggested with Luminary, and I think that's the that is the main difference there. Sort of like, yeah, you're benefiting financially off of my content, ultimately, but at the end of the day, you're not messing up my ability to continue to earn revenues off of the podcast in the manners that I have chosen to benefit off of them. So. Here's here's a couple of examples, Jay. Pocket Casts that was uh, on one iOS. I, was I don't know what it costs on Pocket Casts is one of those that is cross platform. By the way, I don't know what it costs on Android, uh, but on iOS it costs three ninety nine, uh, and it's a one time purchase. Castro, which is one that I've used in the past, Castro's got a neat feature. Uh, Elsie Escobar always talks about using it, and the reason why she loves it is for this. They've got this feature. Um, it's basically like a queue. So their big thing is prioritizing your inbox. So like, hey, every time you load the app, here's the 15 podcasts or the 15 episodes that have come out since the last time you opened the app. And you go through and triage and you go, I don't want to listen to that one. Oh, I do want to listen to that one. I don't want to listen to that one. I do want to listen to that one. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I do, I do, I do. And then you've got a queue of like five good episodes and you just listen to those. And so that's like their big model. Um, they're free apparently now to use. They were paid when I first tried them. They are free now, but there is a Castro Plus subscription for eight ninety nine a year. There's a free trial you can try, and uh, you can sign up for that. I'm not sure what features come with it, but I imagine it's it's um, things like what uh, Marco does. It's sort of again. Marco's basically unlocked all of the basic features for his app because his argument was, I don't want the people who are just coming to try my app to be trying the worst version of my app. I want them to <laughs> use everything like smart speed and vocal boost originally, especially were the reasons to use overcast because nobody else had them, not in the way that he was doing them. Anyway, M most apps have copied them by now and they're pretty good too. Okay. Here, you know, Castro says what they do. Okay. So here's what you get for your subscription with Castro trim silence, which means that's like the vocal, uh, the, the smart right. speed and overcast where it dynamically reduces the silence. Uh, they've got a vocal boost, which is with the paid subscription side loading. So you can load files in from your iCloud drive, which is what Marco lets you do to uh, mono mix so you can automatically mix a podcast down to mono make them easier in case they're normally panned you don't have to deal with that uh, chapter support is apparently behind their paywall so you can't skip chapters and see the chapter specific artwork in Castro unless you uh, pay for their subscription um, and then custom settings per podcast so like episode limit whether you turn on the trim silences or not enhanced voices or not mono mix etc cetera, etc cetera, all of that comes with Castro plus so here's here's my argument as a producer why I don't mind that first of all it's a very small amount compared to what luminary is is getting right luminary's got this VC money that they're coming in it's hundreds of millions of dollars that they're shoving around to different people and they're not paying you or me any of that um, and they won't ever with this 899 for a year 
for one user and first of all like how big is castro if you listen to libsyn castro doesn't even show up in the mentioned apps anymore unless he calls it out specifically for escobar it's like way down there on the list um so the numbers are very small to begin with and also to me those are those people are paying for the software advantages that he's offering or that developer is offering just like with Overcast, if I'm paying Marco, I'm paying Marco for the software that enables me to listen to those podcasts. I know I could go straight to your website or to Stitcher or just the Apple Podcast app. I've used it in the past. The Apple Podcast app is fine. I went to Overcast because of the things that Marco adds, and that's why I'm paying him. Um, so I think that's the difference there. Whereas Jay, Luminary has 40 engineers, they say, working on this app. It's a crappy app. <laughs> it's not a good app yeah it, it does it does seem like somebody had an idea well first of all they have got a great salesperson because they managed to scrounge up 150 million dollars for a really bad launch and with 40 engineers they've created like you just said a, a crappy app I, I haven't actually downloaded their app or listened to anything on their app so I can't speak to that nature and I can tell you I probably won't go and listen to their particular app because I, I I admitted it last week. I still listen on my iPod. So I don't know. Ultimately, my whole thing here is this could have all been avoided. You could have had a much easier launch if you had done things the way that things have always been done and the things that and the way that things are being done now. By by going out and doing things differently and screwing with podcasters' content the way that they have, they've now ruined what what could have been something that could have worked. I've always mentioned I'm not against putting things behind a paywall. I'm not against creating the Netflix of podcasting, but you got to go about it and do it with reverence to what has come before. Those who don't know their history are doomed to repeat it. So. This all could have been easily avoided, and at this point, I don't think that there's a way that they can come back and save it. Maybe there is. $150 million does go a long way. So maybe there is a way that they can get themselves a PR team that can go and sort of put out new messaging and fix what's going on. I think they got a people problem, though. I think that there are people involved in that particular company that think they're smarter than the rest of us and are going to go about and do things the way that they believe it needs to be done. And that's just not going to get the work done that I have learned in podcasting that you can't have that attitude. You have to come with the attitude of I'm going to work with everybody and I'm going to work in a way that's going to mutually benefit everybody, not just benefit myself. Cause if you don't, well, that's, that's what podcasting basically is. It, the, it's, the, it's the sense of community that has come that people that want to do a show about sports or want to do a show about health or want to do a show about their kid growing up or they want to do a show about the daily news or they want to do a show about anything can all come together and work together to form a real voice of community that didn't exist prior to podcasting because it was controlled by corporations behind a radio station and a television station. And, you know, now, now everyone has a voice 
and it's the it's the same reason why the we all reacted so badly to that uh ed ryan article a couple of weeks ago jay the mm. the one in podcast business journal you know the we are a very the washington post actually <laughs> well that one too oh yeah we are a very we are a very uh community oriented um industry we are still in our beginnings and many of us in this industry do have i guess a bit of a chip on our shoulder about uh being overlooked or stamped out by our big bigger media brothers and and people coming into this space and saying they know you know it's like the guy oh okay it's iHeartRadio saying they were doing the first ever podcast award show bite me <laughs> you know like it, it wasn't the first ever podcast awards show uh it's it's the article talking about oh I, I saw somebody saying i listened to a podcast today and the host said i'm talking to one of the very first podcasters he started in 2010 and you're like nope nope you were six years late buddy like well, there were people doing it before it was podcasting before the rss spec was finished there were already people trying to make it happen you know we we've talked about those beginnings well so, and even to that degree though again i called them out on it elsie and jessica with the first women's conference mm. is how they first worded it and i was quick to point out if we're going to be quick to point out all these other places saying they are the first, then you need to change your wording because you are not the first. There are others that have been here before you. So, and and they did to their credit, they, they, they changed the wording around so that it was more specific to female centric podcasts uh, yeah. rather than female content creators, I think is what they originally were saying. Yeah. Um, it, we've talked about this too much. I think we've given Luminary way more time than they need. I will point, I, I've got an, a link here in the article uh, or in the show notes to the Daring Fireball, daringfireball.net, which is John Gruber's website. Here's the other thing that ticks me off about this, Jay. They're trying to take the name podcasts. And I think it's hilarious since we spent like 12 years arguing over whether or not we should use the name <laughs> podcast to begin with, that now somebody wants to steal it and appropriate it. But listen, John Gruber describes this perfectly. All podcasts are shows. Not all shows are podcasts. If you have a YouTube channel and that's the only way that you're distributing your show, you have a show. You don't have a podcast. If you have anything that is not distributed openly over RSS and I'll go with Rob Walsh's definition that it has to be in the Apple Podcast directory because that's the one that feeds all the other directories. Those two things, it has to be available via RSS. It has to be in the, the Apple Podcast directory. If those two things are met, then I agree with you. You have a podcast. I don't care what you do on it. But if those two things aren't met, you don't have a podcast. You don't. I'm not, I'm not mad at you for creating your show in whatever medium you've created it in. I think it's wonderful. If you want to make a vlog or a vidcast or a YouTube channel or a XM radio show, that's what John Gruber points out. He says, look, Luminary is not creating anything new. XM Satellite Radio has been doing this for 20 years, mm. right? Nobody calls the Howard Stern Show a podcast. You can take the Howard Stern Show cut it up and distribute it as a podcast if you wanted to luminary doesn't make podcasts well that's not what these are well you can't 
Howard Stern could. Yeah, good point. And Howard, Howard Stern, Stern could won't. If he wanted to. No. No. <laughs> um, well, you want to talk about something else? Here's a story about a little plucky startup uh, that just came out this week. They launched today, as a matter of fact, called Red Circle. Uh, they've raised $1.5 million, so a lot less than $150 million, uh, in its seed round and offers free hosting, which I know everyone's going to get on them for, analytics access, distribution help, and other features. Their ultimate um, philosophy is they don't want to make money from you. They want to make money with you. And they're very much focused on smaller independent podcasters and They've developed a cross-promotion system within their uh, hosting devices to help with cross-promotion amongst other podcasters. Tom Webster of Edison Research keeps letting us know, right now, word of mouth is still the quickest and easiest and most popular way of learning about new podcasts. Cross-promotion is ultimately what's going to work, and making something that will work at scale is going to work best. Their ultimate business model is, of course, through ad revenue. And I only bring that up like an old Bill Cosby before he was an evil man uh, comedy skit. I told you that story to tell you this one. Uh, Spotify released their earnings from quarter one. And if you look at the difference between the amount of money they made via their premium subscribers, they're now over 100 million uh, premium subscribers on Spotify versus what they made via ad supported just in quarter one, they made, it looks like, uh, $1.3 billion in premium subscriptions, if I'm reading this correctly. I believe it's in pounds, actually. So that's got to be converted. And, or euros. And, and only $126 million in ad-supported. There's a, obviously a giant, there's a billion dollars missing. A $1.2 billion in discrepancy there. And that's sort of what I've been talking about. Spotify now has enough scale where they could actually make that ad supported grow even further. But that's Spotify with over 250,000 podcasts in its core that they can help monetize. Red Circle is a little startup with $1.5 million in seed money that might be able to get, I don't know, right now Libsyn is the biggest host on the planet. They don't have 250,000 podcasts, I don't believe. I don't know what Libsyn is up to at this particular point. But that's sort of what I'm getting at. Like The ad-supported model can work, but you have to have massive scale for it to work forever. So the free model that they're offering is only going to get them so far. I can tell you, for instance, publicly uh, available information that my former employer announced that in 2018, the prime hosts whom I helped create that, I didn't help, I created that particular program at Blog Talk Radio, which is now part of VoxNest, earned $1 million in 2018. Well, on a 60-40 split, that means out of that ad revenue, uh, VoxNest only earned a little over 600000 dollars in ad revenue that also doesn't include the amount of expenses that goes into what had to be paid to the ad agencies uh the hosting fees that are involved there so that six hundred thousand got a lot smaller and vox nest is the number three hosting platform uh currently 
in the podcasting ecosphere. So that's just that's just going a long ways to tell you there's publicly available information that shows the model can be successful, but will only be successful at massive scale and why you should always be diversifying your revenue streams should not be just going within all ad supported should not be going within all paywall supported you should not be going within all services supported it should be all of them together maximize the revenue that's the way that you're going to best win quote unquote the game of podcasts nice tie to our pop culture uh beginnings there i like it um I, that that is fairly shocking to me the disparity and and you were reading those numbers right i had to read the charts about three times to to make sure that where you were getting that information but you were it's over a billion per quarter for the premium revenue and it's only just over a, a hundred million per quarter for their ad revenue for spotify huge disparity there even though you're talking about um uh, you're talking about a, a massive number more listeners in the free model than the premium. And you know, by the way, they have a lot of subscribers. I have a lot of paid subscribers, but they also have a tremendous number more that are non-paid subscribers. And if I'm reading this correctly, uh, they're still operating at a negative. They're still operating at a loss. I'm not 100%. Yeah. Uh, sure on that. No, I, th it, it I think uh, that's how I read it as well. They, or at least last, currently, they were still operating a loss. I so, think they're projecting a break even or 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 revenue soon, but it's not. They're still not there yet. At one point four billion dollars a quarter, Spotify still operates at a loss. Let that sink in for a second. I want to. I want to. I want to do a a feel good story here to kind of wrap this up, Jay. I'm going off of the show notes actually, but this is uh, sort of in relation to something we mentioned earlier. I, I, we talked a lot about Marco Arment and the Overcast app, some of the things that he's bringing to the table technology wise. He came out with a new feature this week. He also changed his versioning number, which I think is really cool. He has moved to from now on uh, the app. So like right now, if you go and look in the app store, it's Overcast. 2019.4 that's 2019 obviously and this is the fourth update that he's made in the year 2019 at this point he says i'm no longer holding back features for like a major update level when i when a feature is ready i release it and i that's just the new feature that comes out whenever it's ready and that way i don't have to wait every year in the fall i'm trying to make a new version so that i can sell an upgrade or something like that i'm just going to produce the app you guys that like it, support it if you can with the, the premium in-app purchase, which I do. The new feature that came out is clip sharing. So for a long time, I, I, maybe from the very beginning, I think, you could share, uh, of course, any episode that you're listening to from Overcast. You can share out a link to that episode directly in Twitter or Facebook or copy it and send it in an email or a text message or whatever. And that link would, instead of going to the app, it would have a little web view and it would show the episodes. You could make it playable. So anybody, whether you shared it with somebody on Android or a desktop computer or whatever, anyone could access the audio you wanted to send them right away. The other thing that he implemented was timestamps. Instead of just sharing the episode, you could say share from this timestamp. So I'm listening to a particular thing, and this is the topic that I want you to... Okay, they get to the episode part where they're talking about Endgame, and I want to share that with Jay. I can share it directly. He can start right there and listen to just that conversation. This takes that a step further. Uh, Marco saw that it was difficult in social media apps in particular to get any traction on just the raw link 
Twitter and Facebook bury those. They don't promote them in any way. What they do promote, and especially Instagram, promotes video, right? Mm -hmm. So he has now produced, you can either create audio or video snippets directly from your listening app. You're listening to a show in Overcast. You hear something compelling. You click the share button, and there's an, one of the options in your drop-down menu is to create a snippet. Share a clip instead of share the show. And it, a little editor pops up. You drag the bar where you want it to start. You drag the bar where you want it to stop. And then if you're creating video, there are even options that you can set up. You can make it a widescreen video. You can make it a square video. You can make it a tall video. You can add in the subscribe on Overcast button. So there's a little button there below the audio that's playing. You can even add, he adds the Apple Podcasts button if you want to. And Marco goes one step further than that. You can check a box that puts in subscribe in Castro or subscribe in Pocket Casts. Here's Marco advertising for his hmm. competitors. Why? Why would he do that, Jay? Oh, and by the way, the whole thing, there is an option you can turn on or off a little logo that says shared from overcast and it's his logo and you can turn that off if you want to he said because this app and my whole thing right now is about maintaining the open podcasting in ecosystem i want it to be easier to onboard new people to podcasts and the way to do that is to share these little clips and to get everybody sharing them some people are not going to want to share a clip if it's promoting my app so fine Uncheck the box and don't say that you shared it from Overcast. Uncheck the box that says subscribe in Overcast even. You can do that. It only says subscribe in Apple Podcasts or only says subscribe in Castro or only says subscribe in Pocket Cast if you want to. Now, why you would do that while you're sharing it from Overcast yourself, I don't know. <laughs> right. But like, let's say you want to do that, Jay. Anyway, this is, this is the kind of thing, exactly as Nick said, it's, it's not parasitic. It is additive. It is symbiotic. It is coexisting. It is, he sees a whole. We talk all the time about discoverability and about onboarding for new. How do people even discover that there's this content out there that they want to listen to? And people say, I don't listen to podcasts because there's not a podcast for me. How do they find out that there is? This is how. This is how. So if you're a podcast listener, especially if you're a podcast producer, I would suggest if you're not using Overcast yet, this might be the reason to get into it. If you start doing your own podcast listening and overcast and make a habit of two or three times a week grabbing a clip from someone else's show, not your own, someone else's show, and promoting it, say, man, I learned a lot today from X. Or boy, Aaron Mankey killed me when he got to this part of the story. you know, Or, oh my God, I'd never thought about taxes in the way that I did until I listened to this Freakonomics episode. You know, and you share that one really good segment. I in my little corner of Twitter, I've seen this explode over the last few days. People are going back to old shows that have been long dead and sharing, you know, their favorite highlights now because it's so easy to do. Um, this is something that we could do as producers anyway with like the um, audiogram apps, right, Jay? I mean, this is something that a lot of us have been doing as producers. Yeah. But but here's a way that even just listeners can get involved and really make it social. And I am excited about it. I think as this gets spread out, I, I think it's going to be really, really helpful. And I also think it's going to grow overcast. I think it's going to help Marco. 
It should. I think it's a, I think it's a fantastic tool. It'd be great to have that available everywhere. I mean, ultimately we've discussed this, uh, whether it's promoting it, you ultimately want to control your audience and, and control their experience via your ecosphere. And the best way to do that is through your website. So if this is something that's going to help you and Marco at the same time, then it's not a bad thing. That's for sure. It's, it's a good thing. Uh, Jay, I had a tornado and a Marvel movie to go see, and we both had a, um, a Winterfell to save mm. in, uh, Westeros. So I don't, I don't think I've got a new podcast to suggest this week. Do you? Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, while you were dealing with real life, my real life involved a wedding, a baby celebration, family from the West coast, from Florida, and over four hours of NFL draft coverage on my own podcast. So, you know, I haven't done a lot of <laughs> new podcast listening. So here's what I'm going to do uh, to combat that. I'm going to try to share out some of my favorite podcasts that I listened to this week. From the uh, Overcast apps? Yeah. From the Overcast app. That's right. I'll, I'll, I'll load those up on, on Twitter on the Always List. And I'll retweet. Uh, Twitter. <laughs> there you go. I'll Jay retweet, retweet what Joel does. <laughs> See, that's something, that's something your iPod can't do. Your iPod can't share video I was clips. I going to say, can, can, can Overcast make it so that I can listen to it on my iPod? That'd be great. Not yet, uh, mm. but it does look like uh, after this summer and after the new versions of Mac OS and iOS that we'll probably get Overcast on the Mac side too. So even people who uh, primarily live on their laptops uh, can can get some uh, access to some of these features too. Um, interesting stuff going on in podcasting as always. If you've got specific questions about something or how some news affects your show or your uh, aspect of podcasting, your little corner of our ecosystem, we'd love to help you answer that. Email us, alwayslisteningpod at gmail.com anytime. And of course, Jay, they can follow you on Twitter where? At the real podvader facebook.com slash podvader page especially if you're looking to hire me to consult you help you avoid some of these roadblocks that uh, we've discussed here on today's show that are easily avoidable if you're a giant podcasting startup looking to pivot into a more harmonious uh, eco uh, system uh, along with the rest of the podcasting world uh, jay might know something about that uh you can find me at the rogues life on twitter you can find everything else i do at propodcastingservices.com uh, by the way on propodcastingservices.com uh, my personal blog is called the rogues life just like my twitter account is and i have just begun jay a series of posts the first one went up yesterday I am rewatching the entire mcu now that i have seen endgame oh. and i am going to be discussing each movie individually in respect to my thoughts after I've seen Endgame. So don't go and read any of those until you've seen the new movie. But once you've seen the latest Avengers film, uh, if you're a geek like me in that regard, you can go check out the website and see what I've thought. So far, Iron Man is up. I am in the middle of Incredible Hulk as we speak, actually. Yeah, again, wedding and new baby celebration. It's, uh, it's sort of overruled Endgame, even as much as me and the boy protested <laughs> well the, but the good news for you is you live in that that sports uh, version of twitter that is easier probably to mute some of the spoilers oh. like i was so i geek twitter is all i'm in so i'm terribly worried about somebody destroying something i'm wrong. actually surprised that i didn't see this tweet but apparently Lashawn mccoy running back for the buffalo bills 
uh, spoiled Endgame for a whole bunch of sports fans. Oh, <laughs> so, oh. yes. Uh, I, even in my little bubble, I'm telling you right now that there are certain things that, that spread into everyone's bubble. Uh, Winterfell, MCU, that's going in everybody's bubble. Whether they like it or not, it's going to be there. So it's... yeah. And, and we talked about this, right? I talked about the the need to be immediate, the immediacy in life, and it happens on social media. Everything on social media is immediate. So if your podcast doesn't follow that same idea, you might want to reconsider that. You're missing out. There's an opportunity there. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Well, let's get back to the immediacy of real life. We'll be back to, uh, to you with more info on the podcasting industry next week. Until then, we've been your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Jay. And we are always listening. Oh, you were waiting for me to say something clever, weren't you? I was a little bit. <laughs> Always Listening is a proud member of the Two Guys and a Rogue Network. You can find all of our past episodes, including more than 100 podcast reviews, at alwayslisteningpod.com. In Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. For help on your podcast, visit propodcastingservices.com. Our theme song is Enough from Bethany Rabel. Two guys and a rogue. I'm one guy. I'm the other. And this is The Network.